Please include the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. in your year-end giving. You can donate online at issuesetc.org or by giving us a call 618-223-8385. For a year-end gift of $250 or more, we'll send you our forthcoming book, Objections Over Ruled 3, Answering Arguments Against Christianity, and a new recording of 15 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support at the end of 2023. questions and comments from our listeners on this Tuesday, December the 5th. One on the perseverance of the saints. That will get us into the subject of eternal election. And another on support for Trump among Lutherans. That's probably enough to keep us busy for the next half hour or so, but we'll get to as many questions and comments as we can as we go through listener email and the issues, etc. comment line. That email address, talkback at issuesetc.org. And the comment line, 618-223-8382. Let's begin with Dick. Over the years, Dick writes, I've seen Lutherans disagreeing with the reform perseverance of the saints in Tulip. In reading CFW Walther's Law and Gospel, Theses 13, he says in number six, that the decree of election is unchangeable and that no elect person can become a reprobate and perish, but that every one of the elect will surely be saved which is what I believe, and that kind of sounds like the P word in TULIP, which is God's work, not the work of the individual. Thanks for the email. Thanks for listening, Dick. Well, first of all, let's talk about what TULIP is. It's shorthand, and this immediately will raise the ire of some Calvinists because while it generally represents Calvin's view or views on various theological subjects, it doesn't always represent every Calvinist's view on these things. So TULIP is an acronym. The first part, T, is total depravity. And here, Lutherans would be in complete agreement with our Calvinist friends. That is that man is conceived and born in sin, and apart from the action of God, remains not only fallen, but also an enemy of God. So they usually say total depravity. That doesn't mean that everyone is as evil as they can be. Calvinists are quick to point out. It just means that at our heart, we are totally depraved. The U is unconditional election. Now that stems from a lot of uh, debate in the Reformed camp about why God elected some and not others. Lutherans simply do not take up that question, but Calvinists have spent a lot of time on the question of why God from all eternity, elected some, but not others. And people have fallen on into different camps there. Some say, well, it's in view of faith. God knew you would believe, so he chose you, or some other reason. Uh, Lutherans simply do not entertain the question because the Bible doesn't answer that question. So we have no business answering it whatsoever. The L is limited atonement. This is really the heart of the Calvinist error. It's hard to say whether or not All the other errors flow out of this one, or this one has been invented, sadly, to prop up the other errors. But a limited atonement, that is, Christ died only for the elect and not for all mankind. The I is irresistible grace, that when God acts in grace, he cannot be resisted. Lutherans would reject this. We reject the limited atonement, and we are only two-point Calvinist Lutherans. We only agree with them on the first two points, total depravity and unconditional election, 
and then they go off the rails with a limited atonement, irresistible grace, and then finally, the one you're asking about, P in tulip, the perseverance of the saints, which essentially says that all those whom God has elected will come to faith and will persevere in the faith to the end and be saved, which in and of itself actually doesn't sound like a bad idea. The problem with the Calvinist view of perseverance of the saints is that they, on the basis of that, teach that once someone is saved, they cannot fall from the faith. And that if someone appears to believe and then later falls away, they never believed in the first place. You can see they're trying to kind of buttress this notion of a limited atonement combined with a unconditional election. They're trying to buttress those two ideas by saying, if someone is a Christian, they can never fall away. Some will say they may lose the exercise of their faith, but they never lose faith itself. Now, again, not every Calvinist is going to hold these views as I've represented them here. So if you're going to get in a conversation with generally Reformed Christians, you're going to find a lot of different ideas. Well, Lutherans would say, no, the Bible quite clearly says that two things, that all whom God has chosen from eternity in Christ Jesus will be saved, that God does have an elect. That does not imply that God also has a list of reprobates. Another problem with Calvinism is double predestination. That is, God predestined some to be saved and others to be damned. And again, they nuance it. They say, well, he just left the others or something like that. Scripture says nothing about God's disposition from all eternity toward those who are not elect. It, in fact, says that God desires all men to come to faith, knowledge of the truth, and to be saved. So we would reject the notion that once a person is saved, they cannot fall from the faith. We would reject the notion of double predestination, and we would reject the idea that there's something you can look at in your own life to see if you are among the elect. Because this is the big question mark that looms over Calvinism. How do I know I'm one of the elect? You can't look to election because that is in the counsel of God from before all eternity. You can't look to the cross because you don't know if Jesus was dying for you or not because they teach a limited atonement. He may have been dying for you, but maybe he wasn't. So you can't look to the cross. So you can't look to eternity. You can't look to the cross. It leaves you only one place to look to yourself. And ultimately, I've talked to many Calvinists about this and former Calvinists. This is the conundrum that they end up with. In, in their best of moments, they're, con they're convinced they're elect. But when they find themselves in a moment of weakness, they say, wait a minute, am I really elect? Did Jesus die for me? Because I don't know. He didn't die for all, and maybe I'm among the some for whom he did not die. And the only place they're left to look is to their own good works. And that some Calvinists will say, you look to your life of good works. And then where are you looking for your certainty? You're not looking to Jesus, you're looking to yourself. So there's a lot of differences between Lutherans and Calvinists when it comes to the perseverance of the saints. We would say this, Scripture clearly teaches that all the elect will be saved, that God has an elect, all of them will be saved. If you want to know whether or not you are among those for whom Christ died, you just look at the cross because he died for all. We do not attempt to answer the question, why are some saved and not others? Because Scripture does not answer that question. It's actually not one question, it's two. And 
the most we can say about those who are not saved is those who reject Jesus Christ cannot be saved. That's the most we can say. The other thing that Lutherans like to say about eternal election, we call it election to grace, is that if it is being taught in such a way as to rob people of comfort or create doubt in the saving work of Jesus Christ, then it's not being taught correctly. It's quite clear in the Lutheran confessions, they struggle with this during the time of Calvinism. And they say, ultimately, at the end in the Lutheran confessions, it is a teaching of pure comfort. And if it is being taught any other way, then it's not being taught according to Scripture. John writes, Dear Todd, I would like to suggest that you have a podcast about Donald Trump. Donald Trump has publicly said he's not a sinner. This alone should be enough for an hour-long program. There are many Lutheran Church Missouri Synod members who do not have a problem with Donald Trump. This is very alarming. You might also mention his many marriages. I notice that you do not have any problem critiquing Joe Biden. I did not vote for Joe Biden, and I am not a Democrat, but time spent on talking about Joe Biden is a waste of time because you are preaching to the choir, and I cannot imagine any LCMS member voting for him. I live in Ohio, and issue one in the last election, unfortunately, was not about abortion. Instead, it was about dirty politics, and this was only a retaliation to the crooked Republican Party. Dear Todd, I believe 80% of your programs are very good, and I will continue to support your outreach. Thank you for your time, and thank you for listening, John. John, thank you very much. Before we respond to your email, let's just listen to one of the things that Donald Trump told Frank Lunds in 2015 on the subject of forgiveness. But have you ever asked God for forgiveness? (laughs) I'm not sure I have. I just go and try and do a better job from there. I don't think so. I think if I... If I do something wrong, I think I just try and make it right. I don't bring God into that picture. I don't. Now, when I take, you know, when we go in church and, and when I drink my little wine, which is about the only wine I drink, and have my little cracker, I guess that's a form of asking for forgiveness. And I do that as often as possible because I feel cleansed, okay? But, uh, you know, to me, that's important. I do that. But in terms of officially, I, sh- I see, I could say absolutely, and everybody... I don't think in terms of that. I I think in terms of let's go on and let's make it right. So very typical Donald Trump. This is unsurprising because he has the same approach to God as he has to everything in life, which is, yeah, I, I guess I do make mistakes, but I don't dwell on them. I just keep moving and try and do better next time, or I can just keep moving and try and make the situation right. But you know, Christians are required to think in terms of forgiveness before God. It's kind of what Christianity is. If it's nothing else, it is seeking and receiving forgiveness freely for the sake of Christ from God. And for Donald Trump to say, I just don't think about God when I do something wrong. Basically says, God doesn't figure into my plans. Remember, this is my observation about Donald Trump. He's very transactional. That means in his world, he has something to offer, you have something to offer, and everything is negotiation. Everything is a deal, making a deal. 
And it's kind of hard to deal with God. I don't know what Donald Trump thinks he would have to offer God or what God would have to offer him. But a Trump Tower? Maybe. But obviously, not much. So when he does something wrong, God doesn't even enter into it. I don't think a Christian could actually think that way. That when I do something wrong, God doesn't enter into it. And that is antithetical to everything that it is to be a Christian. Why was Jesus dying on the cross? So that you could put your mistakes behind you and go on and try and do better or make the situation better or improve it? No, he was dying on the cross so that you might have the forgiveness of sins. I am happy that at the very least, he said when he has his little sip of wine in his cracker, I think he's talking about the Lord's Supper, that's a form of forgiveness and he does it because he feels cleansed. Not exactly a robust understanding of the Lord's Supper, but at least he associates it with forgiveness. He's at least heard those words at some point in the course of his church going that this is Christ's body given for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whether he thinks he needs it is an open question here. Now, that's a question about does Donald Trump make a clear confession of the Christian faith? And the answer to that from that statement is no. In fact, he speaks quite strongly against the Christian faith in that statement. The question of whether or not he is a Christian, I think, can be considered apart from whether or not a Christian can support him when he runs for president. I did not vote for Donald Trump the first time. I simply could not bring myself to do it. I did not vote for Hillary Clinton. Now, when the second time rolled around and the choice was between Donald Trump and Joe Biden, I could not vote for Joe Biden. And at that point, Donald Trump had done things. I'm leaving aside his personality, all of those things. He had done things as president that I thought were good for our country, good for the people. So I very hesitantly voted for him. It was really a vote against Joe Biden because there was no other choice. So I did. Could I bring myself to vote for Donald Trump again? I don't know. I've got a year to think about that. And I just really hope I don't have to make that choice. I'll just speak purely out of my own opinion. I hope that the choice that appears to be before us between Joe Biden, a man who probably could explain to you the Lord's Supper better than Donald Trump, but demonstrates in none of his policies whatsoever the slightest hint of any Christian motivation. And Donald Trump, who has at best a very passing knowledge of the Christian faith, I hope I don't have to make that choice because it's hard to say I would vote for either of them. But uh, we've talked a lot about Donald Trump on the show and um, some of it good, some of it critical. And we'll continue to critique the current president because he is the current president. We'll be right back. I don't care how much money I got to spend. Got to get back to my baby again. The days are gone. I'm going home. Please include the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. in your year-end giving. You can donate online at issuesetc.org or by giving us a call 618-223-8385. For a year-end gift of $250 or more, we'll send you our forthcoming book, Objections Over Ruled 3, Answering Arguments Against Christianity, and a new recording of 15 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. 
Thanks for listening and thanks for your support at the end of 2023. Husband, wife, daughter, son, grandchildren, godchildren, pastor, the kids at church, basically everyone of your Christian loved ones is catered for at Ad Crucem. We are the place to go for all your Christmas purchases. Stock up on our amazing Christmas cards, Christmons, Christmas ornaments, unique Christian jewellery, springly cookie moulds, gifts and much more. Visit adcrucem.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com. Luther had Wartburg. We have Collinsville. You're listening to Issues Etc. This is Pastor Matthew Harrison, President of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The LCMS operates the second largest parochial school system in the United States. What can you expect from a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod school? There's one race, the human race. And Jesus died for the sins of every man, woman, and child from every land and every nation. Life begins at conception. All life is precious from womb to tomb. And every student, parent, and teacher is created in the very image of God. There's right and wrong, and we know which is which from the Ten Commandments. There are only two sexes, male and female, He created them. Marriage is the lifelong union of one man and one woman. There's such a thing as objective, absolute truth, and it's found in the person and work of Jesus Christ and His Word. To find a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod school near you, visit lcms.org schools. The hymn, What Child Is This?, from a new recording of 15 Christmas and Epiphany Season hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. We'll send you this new recording and our forthcoming book, Objections Overruled 3, Answering Arguments Against Christianity, for a year-end gift of $250 or more. You can donate online at issuesetc.org or by check. Make your check payable to Issues Etc. and send it to Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois 62234. Thanks for listening, and thanks for supporting the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. at the end of 2023. Back to that email regarding President Trump. And you voted for him the second time around as a Christian, primarily because he appointed justices. Yeah, there were several reasons. The second time, I could not bring myself under any circumstances to vote for Joe Biden. And it has little to do with Joe Biden's faith. It has everything to do with his policies. He is anti-child anti-family. Just like you couldn't vote for Hillary Clinton. Exactly. Same, same reasons, identical reasons, really. And he has proven to be worse than expected in regard to those policies. Now, the primary reason I voted for Trump the second time, or actually the second time he ran, the first time I voted for him, was because he had 
very wisely taken the advice to appoint Supreme Court justices and other federal judges that would protect marriage, family, children. So as a pro-marriage, pro-family, pro-child voter, that was enough to earn my vote. And I wanted to see that continue. Did I want to see Donald Trump in the White House for another four years? No. I didn't, but I did want to see those policies continue. If you have two candidates who might not be Christians, a Christian can still, in good conscience, vote for one of them, right? Yes, absolutely. I don't think it should be completely out of the consideration. I don't think you'd say, oh, I don't even consider that fact. I think it should be in one of the things you consider, but all of the things being equal, in my view, I vote for the one that is going to protect marriage, family, children. And those are my big, and they all kind of go together. And religion, free exercise. Of free religion. exercise of religion and freedom of conscience and all those kinds of things. So that is the reason why I did. If I'm given the opportunity one year from now or less than one year from now, can't believe it, to pull the lever for Donald Trump and the only other choice is Joe Biden, I suspect I probably will be voting for Donald Trump. Do I want to see him in the White House for another four years? No. Do I want to see him on television every single night saying foolish things and generally being a jerk? No. But if given that choice, reluctantly, yes. Quickly, one final email. This is Jody and Noreen in Belize. That's a country in Central America. They write, my wife and I listen to each and every podcast that you put up. They are all a blessing to us. This morning at 4.30, I was listening to your email response show. Always a very good show. It is so wonderful to hear the truth spoken from your team there. This show had the question about the poetic creation story and about baptizing of transgender person. Your answers were well thought out, respected the word. This is so heartening in these days where lies are passed as truth by most sources. Darwinism was based on early mid-19th century science. Modern 21st century science has clearly shown that evolution and the start of life on any planet could not have occurred without intelligent design and ability to initiate at the very least. There is no way that life could start with mixing up chemicals. There is no incidence of evolution ever observed. Natural selection does occur to favor small adaptations, but no evolution. I really appreciate how you stated clearly the theological knowledge and did not dig down more. It was an excellent statement from your area of expertise. It showed me how the word of God is truth and truth is enduring through all time. With each new scientific discovery, we see more and more that evolution and the God of the gaps time is the false God of atheists. No amount of time will make what they say happen. I also want to thank you for the book of the month selections. We both love reading books like these. Thanks for the email and thanks for listening in Belize, Jody and Noreen. Well, thank you very much as well. I'm not a cosmologist. I'm not an evolutionary biologist. So I simply approach these things from a lay perspective. I've read a lot. I've interviewed a lot of people. The point that you make about there not being enough time is an important one because I remember when I first heard this, interviewing someone years ago on this program, decades ago, and they said, look, there's just not enough time for the evolutionists, uh, for what the evolutionists say had to happen to happen. The universe isn't apparently old enough for that to have occurred. 
Now, I, I get my answer for this from the book of Genesis. That sounds simplistic, but that's where I get my answer for this. And I let that guide my view on on these matters. But if you want to dig down and actually look at the flaws of evolution, we've done a ton of shows on the various flaws of Darwinian evolution and neo-Darwinian ev- evolution, and they're available at our website, issuesetc.org. When we come back, we're going to be looking forward to Sunday morning according to the three-year lectionary, the second Sunday in Advent. Pastor Sean Denzer, Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, will be our guest. Educating a new generation of Lutherans, you're listening to Issues Etc.